Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends, as this video is brought to you by DrRoto.com. Hello and welcome back to the Pros with Joe's podcast. I'm your host, John Dansby, and with me per the usual is my partner in fantasy crime, co-founder of the league himself, Mr. Eric Romoff. We've got a real special episode this week as we've officially moved past the midpoint of this 17-game season. We've passed the trade deadline and we'll take a dive into that and, and talk about all the other news that was in the NFL over the past two weeks Eric, it's good to be back after a nice little break. What's got you excited this week? Man, more than anything, where I want to start is with that trade deadline that came and went with a whimper. Uh, yet again, we see NFL front offices uh, clutch on to their draft capital like an appalled housewife clutches her purse strings. And ultimately... Shout out to the Rams for getting out there and actually being willing to make some moves and improve their team, right? They went out and they tossed more draft picks to the winds, this time to acquire the services of Von Miller. And really, that is kind of the only headline of the trade deadline that came and went. So yeah, um, I know a lot of people want to throw some shade at that front office because they haven't had a pick in what feels like forever and... That's not going to change anytime soon, but ultimately I can appreciate the aggressive line that they're taking out there for the sake of improving what looks to be at least a, a arguable contender coming out of the NFC. Yeah, and I, I, I think the biggest thing that didn't happen in the trade deadline, uh, Deshaun Watson is still a Texan, uh, and it seems like he will remain on their roster until the end of the season at least. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that was not, not the most exciting trade, trade season this year. Uh, you know, moving, moving into some, some quick hits on the, on the NFL news front, uh, out this week, Dalvin Cook's got some off field issues. And so we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. What are what are your thoughts on, on the Dalvin Cook situation right now, Eric? Man, there's a there's a lot of things to to really unpack here. Um, yeah. <laughs> first and foremost, um, I, I mean, I'm not really in a position to speculate as to what happened. Um, if you believe some of the pictures that are circulating out there, um, it looks like there is a young lady involved who was pretty severely injured, um, and obviously that's something that uh, we don't stand for here uh, at the First with Joe's podcast and obviously has no place in society, in my opinion. Um, but again, not really one to speculate or certainly not in a position to do so. Um, in terms of, you know, the impact on the the fantasy side of it, uh, Dalvin Cook has already come out and said that he will be playing this week. Uh, yep. You mentioned Deshaun Watson and his staying put at the trade deadline. I, I think we can probably look at the case of Deshaun Watson as precedent, right? It, it wasn't that long ago where if any player was embroiled in something as heinous as this, they would immediately find themselves on the commissioner's exempt list and they would yep. be off the field until it came to some sort of conclusion. Now that doesn't look to be the case over the last year or so. The NFL has kind of taken a position of 
We are going to wait and see how the criminal process plays out before we make any determination. And so the Texans, because they're the Texans, just decide to hinder their team and not play Deshaun Watson while all of this saga continues to unfold. Um, on the other side, I mean, they very much so could play him if they chose to. And it looks like the Vikings are choosing to do so uh, in the case of Dalvin Cook and what is emerging uh, as as this story unfolds there in Minnesota. Yeah, I, I think that'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, honestly, I, I've i got Madison on a couple of teams uh, in, in a couple of leagues of my own. So uh, I would be okay if Dalvin Cook set out to to kind of work this out through the season but uh yeah like you said nfl's kind of taken a backseat to the the criminal justice system um in the last couple of years so we'll see how it plays out this is still kind of an evolving issue um and i think there will be a lot more that comes to light over the next few weeks um but it'll it'll be interesting to see how they how they finish out the season whether dalvin cook is is suiting up for him or if he is doing the deshaun watson um, yeah, another uh, another interesting kind of snippet of all this is I feel like over the last few weeks, we've gotten to see some of the inside baseball stuff that plays out in order for these insiders, namely Adam Schefter, to get access to the yeah. news that they get to break, right? Yeah. He was out there so quickly and so clearly paying a favor to Dalvin Cook's agent by breaking the counter story minutes before the true story came out. Um, yep. So I'm probably a bit more of a front office nerd than I or anyone would like to admit, um, but kind of seeing some of the mechanics of how, how business is conducted, how things get done, how news is broken across the NFL, uh, certainly something of interest for uh, any, any fellow nerd alerts out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's not unlike the Beltway in Washington. You know, the 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 reporters that just keep their ears to the grindstones and uh, you know keep keep those uh, those connections active. And uh, I think you saw that with Schefter for sure breaking that before the news broke. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is is his agent trying to get ahead of the news, um, which to me makes it kind of sound bad for for dalvin cook but you know like you said we'll wait and see uh but you know moving on odell beckham jr cleared waivers uh where is his next destination do you think yeah still still to be determined um i for one am dumbfounded that he cleared waivers at all right yeah um it was a little surprising that he didn't get traded. His contract situation isn't the easiest uh, type of agreement to acquire. So there's, there's an argument that can be made there. But once he gets to waivers, I mean, he's basically out there for the taking. And yes, there's reason to believe that if he ended up on a team that he didn't want to end up on, he might, you know, kind of act up and, and go back to his antics of uh of recent years but ultimately like if i'm really any team in the same division of one of the teams that's rumored to pick him up right now it looks like the packers the patriots the saints 
the Chiefs are all kind of front runners. If I'm sitting in the same division with any of those teams, you better believe I'm picking up Odell Beckham Jr., right? If I'm the Lions, and not to mention the fact that my receiving core is terrible, but if I can prevent the Green Bay Packers from firing up Odell Beckham Jr. as their wide receiver too, I'm going to do it. I don't care if I'm if I'm winless on the season. Like, yes, I want my team to get better and win, and I think he can help and help uh, do that in his own right. But also, I'm trying to hinder my opponents. So I was a little surprised that nobody even put in kind of a blocker claim to keep yeah. him from going to one of the teams that they're competing against. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the Packers, and I, I've seen news today that that they are, are less likely because of, of what they're able to offer OBJ. Uh, but going back to what you said, you know, as a Bears fan, I I have to think, you know, Allen Robinson's having a, a dud of a year. Uh, adding a, a target like OBJ to to Justin Fields, who came out of his shell on Monday, I like that. And I, you know, obviously I'm biased, but uh, I like I like your your strategy there of of trying to uh, kind of block. <laughs> these teams from adding more talent to an already talented uh, wide receiver stable. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where he lands. I don't think he's going to be unemployed for very much longer, but, you know, being a free agent, he's the ball is in his court. I mean, the Browns gave him a gift of free agency. So he has a lot of options available to him and, and we'll see what, what he ends up deciding. Um, moving on to, to other news, we've got a couple of quarterbacks that are rumored to be making a return this week. Uh, Kyler Murray has made a, I, I think you said a miraculous recovery when we were talking earlier, uh, and Russell Wilson seems ready to to come back. Uh, what do you what are you thinking, and what are you seeing on on your end for these two guys coming back? Yeah, so the Murray one was a bit surprising for me. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, A, they came out and just absolutely handled the San Francisco 49ers last week with Colt McCoy at the helm. And obviously, McCoy is nowhere near the caliber of player that Murray is, but um, he's shown in a couple of instances to be a capable backup caliber uh, quarterback in the NFL. And they've got the horses there to really compete with anyone, right? So... Um, it looked like Murray was going to have this injury linger a little bit longer. And with their bye week coming up, not this week, but next week, it would just seem to make a lot of sense that they take it slow for another week. Um, they're still very comfortably atop that division and then give him yeah. the added week of rest with the bye week to come back uh, there in week 12, fully rested and fully healthy. But looks like he's uh, made some pretty significant progress here over the last few days. From a fantasy perspective, if they decide to play him out, uh, to, to roll him out there this week, which is a, a legitimate if at this point, I, I think you have to fire him up, right? I don't think they're going to uh, risk putting him out there at less than 100%, uh, yeah. given just how impactful he is on their offense. And on the other side of, of the coin, the other name that you mentioned, Russell Wilson is back, right? The uh, hideous finger injury from a few Thursdays ago. I don't know if anyone out there was uh, watching or recalled that game, but um, uh, did a number on his middle finger on his throwing hand. 
Uh, I believe it was against the helmet of Aaron Donald, which, of course, right, like even not getting a sack, Aaron Donald manages to take out his opposing quarterback for several weeks. Um, and his his finger came up basically looking like a limp noodle. Um, had a pin in there. He uh, he stashed a couple of juicy juices under under his uh, his surgery smock. And a few short weeks later, looks like he's getting ready to fire it up um, for a matchup against the maybe Aaron Rodgers-led Packers this week. Uh, time will tell in terms of who he's facing off against, but ultimately looks like he is on track to play here in week number 10. Yeah, and I, you know, honestly, like you were saying, uh, I think the Cardinals are a little bit better positioned to give Kyler a little bit of an extra buffer to, to get back to 100%. Uh, Colt McCoy's not Kyler Murray, but, you know, they have enough weapons that that's, that's yeah, not a problem. He's competent, right? On the other side, you've got Geno Smith backing up Russell Wilson. I feel like Russell Wilson needs to provide the value that that he can where Geno Smith falls short. Uh, but yeah, you you mentioned the possibility of Aaron Rodgers playing on Sunday. Let's talk about the the elephant in the room for the last 19 months of of our existence. Uh, we got more COVID. We've got Aaron Rodgers still questionable. Nick Chubb has now been ruled out for COVID. Uh, who else are we looking at here? And and what kind of impact do you see? I mean, obviously, Nick Chubb being out is a huge impact for a lot of teams out there. Um, what do you what do you see moving forward? Yeah, so yes, we saw Aaron Rodgers uh, come down with his diagnosis. I think it was this time last week. And yep. because he, uh, unbeknownst to everyone not named Joe Rogan, was unvaccinated, <laughs> his earliest eligibility to return to the field is this Saturday. So uh, it seems like he's progressing in the right direction, but ultimately that's a really tight window for him to uh, return the negative tests, uh, to do everything he needs to, to ultimately get cleared by the next morning, by Sunday, uh, so that he can face off uh, against the Packers here in, in week number 10. So uh, again, it looks like uh, all, all signs are pointing in the right direction for a Rogers return, but he does have a really narrow window that he's going to have to, to, uh, to, to feed it through in order to make that happen. Yeah. You mentioned the other really big name uh, affected by, by COVID obviously um, you know, it's, it's impactful to everyone who um, you know, comes down with it, but it, from a fantasy perspective, Nick Chubb not being out there for a matchup against the Patriots, right? These are two teams that are sitting right around the same record. Uh, the yep. Patriots actually uh, are just a half game back from the, leading the AFC East yet again. Um, the the Browns themselves are, are right in the middle of a very tight AFC North all of a sudden. Um, and it looks like, I mean, Kareem Hunt is not is uh, has been reported that is not going to uh, come off of IR this week. So we're back to the Dearness Johnson show, right? It wasn't that Ooh. long ago where we saw him light up uh, a Browns defense, the same Browns defense that just stifled the Cowboys in Week Nine yep. um, for a ton of yardage, and I believe it's two scores on Thursday night. So um, he potentially with. The return of Chubb a few weeks ago with 
Kareem Hunt, at least being on track to return in the in the near future, might be out there on some waivers. So certainly a guy to consider scooping up if he is available in uh, the league that you're playing in. Yeah, and I, I feel like we're obligated at this point to say that while uh, Aaron Rodgers may return on Sunday, uh, there is no medical uh, proof that Invermectin brought him back to health any quicker. So just want to get that out of the way. Joe Rogan is not a medical expert. So uh, Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback needs of doctor so <laughs> yeah i mean all we can really do is hope that he uh he comes to a speedy recovery by whatever means he deems appropriate for himself yeah but always follow the advice of a medical doctor so uh that that said let's talk about what went on in waivers in the league this week uh, i took a quick peek at at week nine and uh it was off the charts wild uh, with with a lot of movement on the waivers. Uh, but this week, you know, what what did you see? Did you see the the same kind of, of activity as, as we saw in week nine? Or was there anything that stuck out to you in, in this week's waiver claims? Yeah, so to your to your first question, not quite as much activity. Uh, uh, that uh, transpired on the wire last night, as we saw in uh, in the, the the waiver report from the the week prior. Um, for me, I mean, there's a there's a few things that ultimately kind of boil down to uh, you know where where that comes from. The the first every passing week, especially as we get further into the season, teams have less and less budget at their uh, at their disposal to go out and acquire players. But yep. also specifically here in week ten. Only got four teams on by, right? So there are just mathematically fewer places where teams are likely looking for replacements or answers by way of free agent acquisitions. So yeah. uh, you know, wasn't wasn't the uh, the the scroll of activity that we saw from uh, from weeks past? But there were a couple of spots where uh, you know I feel like teams really went out and, and improved their position. The first is uh, is our big spenders, right? We look at a couple of familiar names out here. Uh, Jeff Feinberg went out and dropped a quarter of his budget, $250, to acquire Carson Wentz. Uh, he is one of the teams impacted by the bye week. He is a Joe Burrow owner, so he will not have his services here in Week 10 and went out and scooped up a Carson Wentz that has been playing admirably and certainly yeah. considerably better of late. Um, if you delete a small handful of absolutely moronic turnovers where he's uh, shuttle passing to someone who's not there or throwing with his offhand out of the end zone. Um, you know, Carson Wentz is very much so inside the top 10 uh, at the position if it weren't for those kind of boneheaded mistakes. So certainly a savvy acquisition uh, uh, for Team Feinberg to go out and cover their bye week loss in that fashion. And our other big spender is yet again a familiar name. Jamie Calandro went out and he dropped a cool hundred and fifty bucks to acquire the services of Pat Fryermuth. Um, he is arguably, uh, at least has been, the biggest beneficiary of Juju Smith-Schuster's absence in this Pittsburgh offense. 
We all saw on Monday night, he absolutely exploded. He had six targets. Five of them were hauled in for 43 yards and two touchdowns. And so if we, um, you know, believe what we are seeing, at least over this small kind of two or three game sample size, it looks like he's sort of slotting right into those uh, near the line of scrimmage underneath passes that were vacated by Juju Smith-Schuster. And obviously this Pittsburgh office and Ben Roethlisberger have a long history of utilizing tight ends and doing so effectively down in the red zone uh, as proven or as shown by his two touchdowns uh, just a couple of nights ago. Yeah, and I, I, I think it is fitting that that you mentioned Ben uh, and, and Monday night. I think we saw his uh, his longest throw that he has left in him, and I think I I saw it was about forty two yards in the air. So I figure uh, the tight ends for the Steelers are going to get a lot of action underneath uh, because of you know Ben's condition. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was about 42 yards in the air, and it was about six yards short of yeah. his wide open receiver, <laughs> who yeah. had to stop and dive backwards. To all, of it. Uh, all in all, I was not pleased with that the end of that game, but uh, you know, we move on. So what? Man, what else? Do, I will not move on from that game, at least just for a moment, and that is looking at our guy. Cassius, who drew that questionable taunting penalty. Uh, There's obviously plenty of analysis to be had in terms of whether or not that referee staff is on the take or had ulterior motives. I more so want to spend time on that roundhouse kick. Like that was (laughs) very much so intentionally clipped out of all of the replays. And that was a sweet-ass roundhouse kick. So <laughs> I understand he drew the penalty. Obviously, that kind of showboating is what got him on the radar of uh, of that uh, refereeing staff. Um, but ultimately, my guy coming off of the practice squad looking <laughs> looking like uh, like he's been spending his his off season there in a in a gi in the in the in the uh, taekwondo gym, just getting that roundhouse ready to go. So. Uh, yeah. I know you wanted to move on, but I feel like we got to give Cash's March his due for a sweet roundhouse as a celebration. <laughs> well, and you know, I I don't want to get fined by the NFL for criticizing the uh, the calls there, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll move on to uh, close calls in in the waiver wire. So, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of calls. Speaking of close calls, <laughs> maybe so close that it looks like the referee hip-checked the player. Uh, yeah. Our close calls here on the waiver wire um, <laughs> is, uh, uh, yet again, a familiar name. We see none other than Mr. John June back on this list. Uh, he was hoping to acquire the services of one Donovan Peoples-Jones. We talked about uh, OBJ leaving town there in Cleveland. And this team not only didn't miss a beat, but very much so looked like the best form of themselves. Uh, we saw a 60-yard receiving touchdown for Jonathan, Donovan Peoples-Jones. We saw a 70-yard rushing touchdown for Chubb. We saw a 90-plus-yard interception return for a touchdown. Um, so obviously it looks like things are clicking for these Browns, and John wanted to get a piece of that action. But unfortunately he came up a little bit short. He missed the winning bid by $43 as Team Erickson scoops in and scoops up DPJ 
for a cool 53 bucks. Well, yeah. And that's, uh, it, it's funny to me that that's our, our close call for the week is a, a $43 miss. But yeah, it just kind of goes to show you, you know, teams are set. They're, you know, they're trading defenses. They're, you know, trying to fill holes and yeah, you're scooping up players for 53 bucks that can make a difference on, on your roster as, as these injuries and, and COVIDs and alleged murders happen. Um, you know, so we'll see, but, you know, I mentioned earlier, we're over the mid season hump and we have a better picture of, of, of how teams are coming together or, or not coming together. Uh, as we've mentioned also a lot in the past, uh, you know, the pizza conference is continuing to show top to bottom parody with with a couple of exceptions you know the nachos are still heavy on top with uh several teams that are prepping for the off season already um and the wings conference well they're all spun up and and looking to have a wild finish as we close out 2021 what are your thoughts on the action so far over the past nine weeks yeah i mean you know it feels like this league and the season just kicked off like a couple of days ago and all of a sudden right we're now in the double digits in terms of uh, uh weeks weeks gone by in, in the nfl so we've got just a few short weeks left until we start getting into playoff time and there are a number of teams that um not only started off very quick and have managed to maintain that pace but also several teams that you know maybe didn't have their sea legs right away but are now kind of in that mid-season form uh, for for everyone who is keeping score at home, uh, across our 42 teams, we are divided into three conferences, each of which carrying two divisions. And this is a hyper-competitive league. So of our 42 teams, a total of eight make it to the dance to ultimately win the grand prize for their charity. That is devised of the six division leaders, and two wild card or at large bids, which are determined by total scoring, uh, uh, separate or isolated from individual records. So, looking across the landscape of the league, uh, in the Pizza Conference, we have James Coe with Row 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 Your Coats and Linda Godfrey with Team Linda leading their respective divisions, New York and Chicago style pizzas in the Pizza Conference. We've got Jen Piacentri and our friend and past guest, Jim Coventry, sitting atop their respective divisions in the Nachos Conference, that of course being Bel Grande and Nachos Libre. And then moving on to Wings, we have Team Stiefel and Team Felicio, another uh, friend of the show and former guest, sitting atop their respective divisions, traditional Wings and Saucy Nugs. But where I think it really gets interesting is with those wild card spots, right? Yeah. Uh, the two teams that are sitting in uh, the seventh and eighth spots, Team King, Team Engel, are the second and third highest scoring teams across the league. Uh, we've got Team Engel sitting at 1,239 points. Uh, Troy King and his team sitting at 1,281. And very much so, if any of these teams that are leading their division currently uh, Jim Coventry is uh, leading by tiebreaker. Jen Piatenti has a game 
over the team in second place. Linda's got a tiebreaker. Uh, James Coe is, is, uh, only has one game over second place. If any of these division leaders get a little bit wobbly here in these in these few remaining games, they could very quickly not only find themselves slipping out of the playoff picture, but slipping well down the rankings, right? Yeah. Uh, many of them are floating in that kind of high 1,000s, low 1,100s range. So if they were to slip up and find their way out of that division lead, all of a sudden they're, you know, kind of back towards the middle of pack in, in points scored. Yeah. I'm just, I'm looking at the the standings right now. And like you said, you've got team England, team King sitting on wild cards. They're both in the nachos division. Uh, one in Libre and one in the Bel Grande divisions. Uh, they have more points than the division leaders themselves. So, you know, this all of this can change week over week uh and so to say you know we're we're over the midpoint we still don't have any kind of clear separation in this league like it it is almost almost anybody's game at this point um there there are a few exceptions of of teams that just will not be in the playoffs this year but uh yeah i i'm i'm really excited to see how this how this works out and you know who's gonna who's gonna be the top eight at the end of the season yeah i, I think it's gonna be a really tightly contested race especially with how kind of the dynamics of um those determining factors to get into the playoffs ultimately play out right um you know you even look at uh, a guy like uh, like jay felicio sitting there he's actually the points leader in the league but he yep. is in the lead of his division by tiebreaker, right? Jeff Bell is sitting at seven and two right along with him. Um, yeah. It's simply a half game in the division record that separates the two. So, um, you know, not a whole lot of margin for error, even though we are uh, a few short weeks away from the playoffs starting. And the thing that really makes it interesting is that there are several teams, kind of like I mentioned at the top, that maybe got off to a bit of a wobbly start, but are now surging, right? They've navigated through early injuries. They've made those timely uh, waiver acquisitions that really have their team kind of rounding into form and are carrying a lot of momentum. So even some teams that might not be, um, you know, in those tiebreaker situations or even, you know, a game or a half game behind, there is some 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 momentum kind of building by way of groundswell that is going to keep the current division leaders on their toes here for the the weeks to come. Yeah, and I I'm really interested to see the the pizza conference. I I think nachos uh, that's a that's the strongest division it looks like. But uh, you know, just looking at the power rankings for the pizza division, Eight Ball and MG aren't in the top eight, but they are currently ranked number one in power rankings for for their division. So yeah, like you said it's all about how you finish so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens there uh well i'm interested to see how things shake out the rest of this wild season and to get some insight on what that might look like at least for the nfl uh we're excited to welcome in john and pemba of the fantasy alarm john welcome in and glad you could join us 
Yeah, John, Eric, happy to be here with you guys. I know we've chatted a little bit uh, on Twitter, but finally glad to be able to sit down and uh, and talk some football with you both. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a ton of fun. And and John, um, I don't know if if you've heard me out in the world promoting the charity, but I always like to point to uh, the charities that uh, that you've supported in in your two years uh, playing with us here. There uh, certainly causes that everyone can get behind, but they kind of have a, a bit of a unique angle to to them. So maybe you can kick us off. Tell us a little bit about the charity you're supporting this year, um, and a little bit about their their mission and why it's important to you. Yeah, so uh, this year I'm supporting uh, Pot Cakes Place, which is a, a, a animal shelter in Turks and Caicos. Uh, my fiance and I went out there. Uh, she works in the veterinary field, so we, you know, last time we went to Turks and Caicos, we, you know, provided them with some supplies. And, and what they do is they basically uh, the the um, homeless dog population on these islands are, are pretty wild, and it's kind of sad. So what they do is they go around and they try to get all these uh, dogs that are just kind of roaming around. They they clean them up. Uh, a lot of them are puppies and younger dogs, uh, and they give them the medical care that are needed, and then they adopt them out uh, to, you know, families that come visit the island. Essentially, you can kind of go there. Uh, they allow you to take the dog out for a day. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of dubbed Puppy Island for that reason, um, and you can kind of go about and see if they're a, right, a good fit for you and your family, and then you can take them back to the States. So the, their goal is to rescue these dogs that are, uh, just kind of roaming around uh, and then give them a, a loving home. So, uh, but like all animal shelters, they're always in desperate need of supplies, of aid, of funds to kind of help and and keep up with you know the demand that they have with these uh with these animals. So, uh, I'm supporting them. You know, again, a, a charity that we have me and my fiance have supported before, uh, and then last year as well, we supported another animal shelter. Uh, you know, again, just you know, we're big pets people. You know, we have a dog and three cats. We'll probably be adding more once we uh, get some bigger spaces as well. Uh, and who doesn't love animals, right? So it's an easy charity to get behind. Are, are you going to get one from the Turks and Caicos? So we talked about it. I mean, we, uh, you know, the, when we first went out there, it wasn't quite the right time for us to do that yet, but we, uh, we are always having our eye. You know, we follow uh, their Instagram pages, their Facebook pages. And you know, every so often they'll be like, Oh, we have new puppies here. And they'll, they'll blast them out. And they're like, come, come visit Turks and Caicos and get a puppy. So uh, I think, you know, maybe the next time I go out there, uh, maybe for a honeymoon or something like that, we'll go out there and uh, we'll bring home a dog. I mean, I got to say, if you if you want to go pick up a puppy, I can't imagine a better place than the Turks and Caicos. So, right. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, this this is your second year with Pros with Joe's. Uh, do you have any funny stories about working with your co-manager or any any kind of memories that stick out about about this whole experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's always great to get to know, um, you know, those who are, are, are helping you and supporting you. And, and you get a little, and, you know, right now, me and, me and my co-manager, you know, we're, we've caught, we've frequently traded, um, you know, traded pictures of, of our animals together, uh, you know, and, and stories about our pets and our families. And, you know, it's, it's always get to, good to get to know those who are, you know, not only just supporting you, but supporting, you know, the charity that you're um, you know, also uh, part of. And then, you know, last year as well was the same thing. Um, you know, I was teamed up with actually a, a member of the, you know, the Fantasy Alarm family. Uh, and, and him and I have a, a nice back and forth relationship. Uh, he's a Browns fan. So we kind of rag on each other, me being a Patriots fan. And especially this week with the Patriots and Browns uh, playing with one another. So it's always good to get, you know, and, and, and meet new, new people and hear their experiences and, you know, hopefully win some fantasy football matchups with them. Yeah. yeah. So um, you you mentioned some of the back and forth with 
with Randy, with your co-manager this year. Um, we reached out to him. He, he couldn't quite make the time work to join us here on the podcast, but he did share with me an anecdote of a picture that is circulating between the two of you with your dog in a Tom Brady jersey, which yeah. doesn't sound uh, abnormal as you are a self-proclaimed Patriots fan, but apparently it is a Buccaneers Tom Brady jersey. So it, it as Patriots fan, what what say you? Uh, listen, you know what? My, uh, Tom Brady, quarterback of the Patriots for you know 20 years, uh, a lot of championships. I was a Tom Brady fan, of course. Uh, disappointed even to see him go. Uh, I certainly blame the Bill Belichick side of that divorce uh, for why the split had to happen. And uh, you know what? When he left, you know, of course, I still am a Patriots fan at heart. Family with season ticket holders, chair on the Patriots when I can. Uh, obviously, every Sunday, uh, and happy the way the season's going right now. Mac Jones looks like maybe there's something uh, brewing there, but. You know, you see Tom Brady currently leading the NFL in touchdown passes. He's second in yards. Uh, he's, you know, I think they updated the Vegas favorites today. Uh, he's now the betting favorite to win the MVP. You know, defending Super Bowl champion. And you're like, could have been us. So I, I still root for Tom Brady. I still <laughs> I talk about you know Tampa Bay being my uh, my NFC team, and I get a lot of flack for that. I was saying you can't really split loyalties, but you know, a third of the oh. Patriots are on that roster anyway. So uh, yeah. you know, I kind of. <laughs> Kind of go down there and cheer for them every now and then too. So I, I think where where the rubber probably met the road was a few weeks ago when Brady returned to Foxborough for yeah. that Sunday night game. Who who were you rooting for in that in that uh, in that matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was mixed, of course, right? Because you know you have that split allegiances. I was clearly I was definitely rooting for the Patriots to win that football game. Um, you know, because the team, you know, I, I'm still loyal and rooting for the Patriots. Uh, you know, I was okay with Tom having one of his worst games of the season there. So, uh, but ultimately, you know, once that game was over, I was back to, uh, you know, putting Tom in all my DFS lineups, of course, and cheering him on there. So, yeah, certainly. And, and having him in DFS, I'm sure has paid dividends as you mentioned some of his accolades <laughs> a, a few moments ago. Right. Big time, big time. Last week, sure. Four touchdowns, two weeks ago, four touchdowns against the Saints is a, is a great day. Yeah, uh, I was actually in New Orleans for, for that game. And uh, there were, I would say, just about as many Bucks fans wearing Brady jerseys as there were Saints fans. So Yeah, he was like uh, the, the, I think it was like the highest selling jersey. Like he, it, people, Oh, uh, yeah, uh, no doubt. Know? Yeah. So, it's funny. You, you get him out of the Patriots jersey and people hate him a little bit less, it seems like. Uh, and yeah, now, now they're respecting him a little bit more. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like, I never, never bought into the, the, the goat talk until he went to Tampa and did what he did in Tampa. Right. And then I'm like, well, you can't, you, you can't, can't argue with that. Yeah. Right. He, had, like, he yeah. had to have knee surgery. He won a Super Bowl on a yeah. you know, the guy's so. 40 plus years old, still doing it. And yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't argue. Right. Uh, but let's, let's talk a little bit about your team in the league this year. Uh, you're kind of right in the middle of the pack in your division, but you've, you've surged recently in the last three or four weeks, uh, winning three or four. Um, what was your approach heading into this into the draft, and and how have you adjusted as as the season's shaken out? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a super unique draft, right? Because you kind of just uh, for, foregone the the position uh, you know limits basically on who yeah. you can and can't start. So uh, definitely a unique draft strategy to that point. Uh, and early on, you know, I had some slow starters, and I think that kind of hit me. Um, you know, kind of got us off to a little bit of a rocky start there, but. 
uh, you know, some guys that I key I keyed in on and actually a lot of my drafts. Uh, for example, like Hollywood Brown, I have him and Scott Fishbowl. I have him in a few other of the industry leagues that I've done. Uh, and he was just a guy that I liked where his value was in drafts. And then, you know, the idea of how he finished last year, I was hopeful that there was definitely an opportunity for that to continue. I mean, he's been an absolute fantastic find. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, again, a guy that started off a little bit slower, uh, but really, you know, been one of the best, if not the best running back uh, in fantasy, you know, now for a handful of weeks, uh, really yeah. starting to carry uh, carry the team, I think, over it a little bit. Getting George Kittle back last week, uh, certainly a, a huge lift there uh, as well. And then, you know, having Dak Prescott, um, you know, be your quarterback for, you know, the early going of the season wasn't too too bad also. So, I mean, the, the, this is definitely a, a tougher draft than I'm used to because the whole, you throw ADPs basically out the window and there's no position requirements yeah. really to fill. So, um, you know, I, I think we adapted well. We've been tried, we've tried to be a little bit more active uh, on the waiver wire. Not many of those have hit, uh, you know, but we've also had some decent little plays there that have worked out for us as well. Uh, and I'm hopeful that now that we're healthier, uh, that we can kind of continue this run uh, of, of winning, right? Uh, it looks like right now, maybe we're projected to win this week uh, against uh, Mike Florio. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. You're coming off of an absolutely uh, amazing week, right? You uh, you you very much so boat race your opponent, uh, but also you were the I think the second or the third highest scoring team uh, across all 42 of uh, of the the contestants out there. So definitely feels like your team is sort of hitting that uh, that mid season stride right. right as we we approach the playoffs. So one to watch as we we carry forward. Um, sort of shifting gears into kind of broader fantasy news. The the story of the week, uh, at least in in my opinion, has been the ongoing OBJ saga. Um, so obviously there's a lot of uh, buzz around him as the trade deadline came and now went. He's cleared waivers. He is a free agent. Um, so really where I'm, I'm hoping to get your your thoughts, John, are kind of twofold. What what do you think went wrong for him in in Cleveland? And and where where would you like to see him land? Yeah, I mean, injury obviously set him back last year, and even his first year, right? He played with that sports hernia that ultimately required surgery, and, and it, he just yeah. played through that injury. And, and that said, he was still able to put up a thousand yards last year. You know, tears the ACL on the Baker, um, the Baker interception, and then this year, I mean, you know, his uh, you know, in quotations, father's highlight package of all the times. Uh, Baker Mayfield was overthrowing him or missing him when he was wide open. Um, you know, I think it led to a lot of frustration. And uh, I'm a very vocal uh, proponent of Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's a good quarterback. Uh, I've tweeted a lot about this. There's a lot of audio about me talking about this, where uh, the majority of, it, of his stats in, over his career uh, have come against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was like, you know, a third of his career touchdown passes. Uh, had gone against those Bengals over the last few years where a lot of those numbers seemingly were inflated against very bad teams. And I understand it's your job in the NFL to beat bad teams. Uh, but you also look at his quarterback um, ratings, his completion percentages. Uh, and then the popular stat that's been thrown around more recently uh, is the uncatchable ball mark, where I think it was like 42% of the passes to OBJ were deemed uncatchable. Uh, so I think at that point, he just threw his hands up. He had enough. You know, it wasn't uh, a marriage that was meant to last. He, he was sort of, you know, he, he didn't pick to go to Cleveland either, you know, like he was sent there. So, um, you know, there's just uh, an unhappy ending here and, and where he goes, I don't know, you know, as we're 
recording this, Louis Riddick of ESPN just tweeted out uh, the eyeball emoji with Odell in a Patriots uniform. As a Patriots I, fan, as a Patriots fan, that would be fantastic. But I don't know if that that's an indication of things to come because he is obviously associated with potentially the Packers and the Saints and some other teams like that. Um, you know, but that's a it's an ESPN analyst with the, the eyeball emojis and a and a picture of OBJ in a Patriots jersey. So who knows? Yeah, I, I, I saw that before we started recording here uh, that, you know, there's likely the Pats that were the destination of, of rumor right now. Uh, but the issue with the Packers was that they were offering a league minimum because they have right. no room. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. But I think the Packers are kind of out. Yeah, point, I, I, uh, saw some I saw some comments from Devontae Adams being like, yeah, we're, we're more than welcome to have him here on the team. But uh, like you, I, I heard the, the the min salary there. So, I mean, if, if he's out, you know, I saw the Chiefs mentioned. Again, I don't know what kind of mm-hmm. room they would have. Um, you know, so if, it, if it's really the Saints and the Patriots and he's looking at, you know, do I want to play with Sean Payton and like Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or do I want to go play with Belichick and, and maybe a Mac Jones and that offense and where would they have the opportunity to be the number one target? You know, maybe that's that's what he's uh, trying to figure out right now. I think it would be a pretty big upset, personally, uh, for those uh, maybe looking at you know where the likely landing spots were when this all originally got announced that he would end up in the New England football places. But uh, I, I'm actually a little bit surprised that we haven't found out yet. You know, I thought yeah. for sure once he cleared waivers, like these conversations have been happening since last week, in my opinion, right? Like, you know, those, those tampering, basically. Uh, but here we are now uh, recording on a, on a Wednesday evening and still nothing. <laughs> yeah. So with uh, with all those spots that we ran through, uh, seemingly New England and New Orleans are uh, at least in contention. Um, do you think that OBJ carries any um, uh, fantasy upside, uh, depending on where he lands? Um, you know, I, I think it, like you said, it depends on where he lands. I mean, if he's going to New Orleans and New England, those are two teams that haven't really produced fantasy reliable or relevant even receivers for the majority of the year. You know, like Jacoby yeah. Myers earlier on in the year was getting a lot of volume. That's tailed off. You know, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne not really fancy relevant on the flip side. Now that Jameis is out, you know, can you re- rely on Simeon to make OBJ a, a fancy relevant receiver or Taysom Hill even if that ends up being the switch that they go to? I, I think there's a lot of risk still involved. I don't know if he'll be any worse than what he was with with Cleveland, uh, but at that at best, that was a wide receiver three, four flex play maybe. Um, you know, at, at the very least, it's there's – a potential that he moves into an offense and might be willing to throw a bit more, but both, uh, you know, New Orleans and the Patriots like to run the football. Now it's not, maybe yeah. not at the volume that Cleveland like to run the football, but the game plan is generally centered around the run there. So, yeah, I, I think he obviously should be rostered. I think you get him on your team. You, you kind of wait and see how it goes, but you know, it, it's hard to uh, ignore the name there is at times as well. Yeah. That, uh, it will be interesting to see, but yeah, with, with those two teams, I, I don't see them being a, as formidable yeah. of a, they, they a fantasy. They would have the offense, basically, in New England, yeah. at the very least. Um, maybe they open it up a little bit more with New Orleans. I mean, they do throw to guys like uh, Marquez Callaway and, and Harris and uh, more recently, Traquan Smith. And, and OBJ would immediately slide in to that number one role on both teams. So you know, maybe he just gets a little bit more volume than uh, we'd accustomed to him being. 
having when he was with Cleveland. But uh, yeah, I don't have like high hopes for him to step in and all of a sudden be a wide receiver too yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, I think he just draws more defense. <laughs> yeah, for whatever likely, whatever yeah. team he lands on, he's just getting it double teamed and mm-hmm. opens up their offense a little more. But uh, so let's let's move on to uh, talk a little bit about the NFL trade deadline. Uh, it passed unceremoniously. Um, many leagues have theirs coming up in the next couple of weeks. Do you still or do you stay pretty active in the trade market and in fantasy? And and what's your advice for for how to approach trades for for managers like me out there? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely am open to trading. I, I'm not one that will often, you know, fire off a bunch of trades during a year. I kind of, uh, I, I generally have confidence in the team I've drafted and I'll look to make tweaks in the, you know, in the waiver wire periods and, and fuse my fab budget where I can um, to sort of improve that way. Uh, I'm not against the trade, but, you know, the one thing that I find in, in advice that I can kind of give to everybody is that not every trade has to be team for team, right? I find oftentimes yeah. I'll send a one for one, it gets countered and it's like my three top players for their three top players. And then also like includes a variant of the initial deal that I sent. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not trying to flip rosters with you. I'm just trying to make a minor move here to fill a potential need that you have to help maybe upgrade the position that I'm at. So, you know, I generally like to kind of go out and, and tell people, you know, on my Twitter timeline and the Discord that we have over at Fantasy Line when they're asking about what deals they should make is that it's okay to make a simple trade. It's okay to make a small trade that gives you a small upgrade. Maybe you take a guy that was a flex and package them together, and now you have a player that could be, you know, a, a better than a flex replacement player or an RB2 or a wide receiver three or something like that to fill a need. It doesn't have to be your RB1, your wide receiver two, and tight end one for the stars of the other person's team. So to me, it's all about keeping it simple. Um, You know, not every trade has to be a blockbuster is a lot what I say uh, when people ask about deals because a lot of times, uh, you know, they're they're firing off, you know, know, trading Dalvin Cook and Keenan Allen and I'm getting back, you know, Travis Kelsey and this and that. I'm like, well, why? Why are you trading all of those players? You know, just to – to switch teams, right? Like where's the, where's the need that you're trying to improve upon and what's the most common sense way to do that without flipping your entire roster? Yeah. Yeah. I think generally a lot of players out there find the draft to be one of, if not the most fun part of, of fantasy. And so once that's gone, it seems like they kind of have some, uh, some, some pangs, some, uh, some missing of, of those times. And they're constantly trying to, churn their roster over with these these blockbuster trades it's what makes best ball so popular these days right like everybody just loves the draft you know it doesn't necessarily matter if like when you're taking you're doing all these best ball drafts uh if it's maybe the most uh uh best time to do it you know before a lot of these rosters are set or training camp absence but everybody just loves the creation of a team and doing the draft process like you said uh and then it's really the in-season management that wins it for you a lot of times uh, especially in, in stuff like fantasy football, um, but it, it is more about sort of the micro than the you know than you know these huge uh, expanding trades that will be the one that put you over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you you mentioned your uh, your your timeline a few minutes ago, and anyone who has been keeping an eye on your timeline uh, will have seen some uh, pretty fantastic uh, uh, outcomes and and winning performances on showdown and Island slate. So I want to shift over to the Thursday night football game to come tomorrow night. 
Uh, we mm. have another haymaker in store for us with the Dolphins squaring off against the Ravens. Um, so if uh, if you would, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of the mad science that goes into it, I'd love to hear if there are any kind of angles or players that you're looking at for uh, for DFS tomorrow or just kind of a general showdown strategy that you take heading in. Yeah, I mean, obviously when you're, you're dealing with showdowns, you're, you're trying to uh, find the one player that maybe is less rostered to – uh, kind of be your separator, right? You know, a lot of the times, uh, some of the, you know, the ownership values that are going to come across uh, in these things are, are, are everybody's going to be playing a lot of the same core guys. So it, it's a little bit more about roster construction, where you're going with your your captain and your MVP, uh, and then how you can kind of backfill, um, you know, the rest of your flex or utility positions um, in a creative way and, and really like seek out the touchdowns, you know, um, you know, for, for last week's uh, Sunday, um, the Sunday night showdown with Tennessee and the Rams, uh, you know, I think it was Pruitt had a touchdown, right? Like the backup tight end, you know, finding like that type of guy to score a touchdown. I think it was Ryan Griffin might've done it in the, the Jets and uh, in the Colts game the Thursday prior, you know, trying to find that like singular player that can just like eke out a touchdown um, is generally the a move that will be uh, allow you to gain ground on the tournament uh, that you're playing in. You know, I'm not a, a large multi-entry player. Um, you know, I'm not the one that's going to go put 150 lineups into something that's never really been uh, my bag. So I'm usually putting in a, one to two lineups uh, and trying to get a little bit different um, for this slate, you know, Baltimore, Miami, you know, we're, we're definitely waiting obviously still on Tua and, you know, the status of his finger is considered questionable. Um, you know, but I'm looking at this DraftKings slate right now. I'm looking at somebody like Mike Kosicki, uh, who is, you know, the, the probably like the 10th highest priced player uh, on this slate over on DraftKings this week. And I look at how Baltimore has fared against opposing tight ends this season. I've looked at how Tua has targeted someone like Mike Kosicki uh, this year in the offense. And even last week with Brissett, you know, still had a decent volume. He has a great snap count, uh, snap share as well. You know, putting in somebody like him who has a high upside potential with the with the quarterback should to uh play along with the matchup you slide him into your utility your mvp spot rather now you're getting the one and a half points on his production and because he isn't the most expensive player on the slate it allows you to sort of slide in some of those higher price guys uh, yep. in your flex or utility spot so uh that's generally how i like to approach it you know some of my favorites on this slate for sure are going to be the guys that a lot of people are going to be looking at you know a gesicki a waddle um hollywood brown for sure um, but if you try to captain someone like a Lamar Jackson or a Hollywood Brown, uh, then you're really getting, you know, cheap, you know, you're going to have to find kickers, def- defenses, some things that like that, that you can slide in there to be your salary savers. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, uh, awaiting the, the injury news on, on Tua's finger, uh, reporting out of Miami is that he actually strained it by holding it up so long at the front office after they dragged his name <laughs> through all of those trade reports. So uh, hopefully he's got that thing iced up and he's able to get back out there for the game tomorrow. <laughs> he's got to breathe a sigh of relief, though, and knowing that he didn't right? move on from him quite yet, at least. Uh, we'll see what happens this offseason. But uh, I can't imagine playing every day for an organization and, like, y- your whole media coverage around your team is whether or not you're going to be traded to yeah. Houston. <laughs> like yeah you know, the worst team <laughs> in football essentially you know? it, would, it would be like the, uh, the lions like would like Howard. a word actually right. yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> True. 
So uh, shifting gears to our uh, our listener questions, the first one we have coming in is from Steve, and he is keeping a close eye on the Chris Godwin situation. And he wants to know if uh, Godwin is unable to play. Is is Tyler Johnson now in flex territory? I mean, I, I think he's going to have to kind of be because he's going to step into that role. I mean, he's already playing – uh, you know, over 60% of the offensive snaps just from replacing Antonio Brown, uh, you know, in that offense. So I think he's somebody that's likely going to step up into a snap share, maybe in the 80% range. The thing is, you know, with Tom Brady, he, he kind of either in his circle of trust or out of his circle of trust the last week or two weeks ago, rather against the saints, he did have five for 65. That's a great sign. Um, but this is a, a matchup against Washington where, you know, he could pretty much have eyes for Mike Evans all game here and Evans does, you know, 100% of the damage like we saw, you know, the two weeks prior against Chicago uh, and just torches team. So I like Johnson. If you're desperate for a flex play, especially in a PPR league, then I think that's fine. Um, you know, but there's always going to be a little bit of risk when you're looking for a guy to really step up and, and hope that the, you know, you, you can't fill the shoes, obviously, of a Godwin and they, they could have other, um, you know, people in their offense come in and, and resolve that. A gap as well yeah on the on the whole i mean looking at the state of pass catching in tampa bay um godwin looks very questionable uh, antonio brown's ankle looks terrifying yeah gronk's back is still spasming um you know with with all these guys down does it potentially affect how you feel about firing up brady against the football team are you maybe um you know looking elsewhere or are you firmly in the Brady is goat camp and yeah. make hay while the sun is shining? So he, it definitely has set me back a little bit. You know, I do the quarterback coach article for uh fantasy arm for the you know DFS purposes, and and Brady was my top quarterback for the week until this uh Godwin news broke. Now I still think, like we like I mentioned, him and Evans can go out there and connect on three scores, and Brady can throw for you know 275 and, and still get you plenty of the fantasy points. Uh, he's not like uh, moving a guy that I'm moving off, but he's a guy that I'm moving down um, for sure in my, in my rankings this week. Um, you know, it, it would definitely have to see how things play out at the end of the week. Cause like you mentioned, you know, there's no Gronk as well. Godwin's gone. You know, you're really looking at uh, a team where, you know, who is he going to throw to? I mean, they, they brought in um, Brashard Perriman this week, right? Like, is, is that something that's going to get elevated and, and be active for them? You know, you're going to, you, you really want to trust targets going in that direction. My, my one thinking here is that it's it's kind of difficult to run against Washington. So I think like if they're going to just hand the ball off to Fournette a bunch, like I don't think they're going to have a lot of success there. So um, yeah, I think by default, Brady's still going to sort of get his. That certainly makes sense. I, I guess there is an outside shot, uh, according to reporting from today, that Scotty Miller might be able to return from IR uh, from his stint with with turf toe. So yeah, that, obviously that, that would definitely would, be that a guy that out. would would fill in, um, you know, and see a pretty decent snap share probably out of the gate just because again he has that sort of familiarity with Brady already. Makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, so we we have a question coming up. Uh, we we talked about big trades uh recently or interleague trades uh got a question from brian uh and you'll need a pencil and paper for this one uh he is in a 14 team redraft and i will give you what he's being offered and then what he has and we'll get your thoughts 
So he's being offered Kyler and Zeke for Javante, Michael Carter, Debo, and DJ Moore. He currently has, for his quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, his running backs, Kareem Hunt and Daryl Williams, and wide receivers, Chase, Lamb, Keenan, and Ayuk. Uh, what are your thoughts on that trade? And then I'll give you his follow-up for what he plans to do after that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing I hate, I absolutely hate doing is trading for injured players. Um, <laughs> I understand down the road that Kyler certainly is an upgrade over Tannehill, so I, I'm leaning you know, in that direction, but you are giving up decent running back depth when your current running back, like Kareem Hunt, isn't going to come off the IR yet. Uh, Darrell Williams is okay. He's nothing great, but you are at least getting Zeke. Uh, I'm fine giving up DJ Moore. He wasn't somebody that I was super high on uh, to begin this year, and, and I was kind of uh, frustrated almost to see the start that he got off to with Sam Darnold just tearing apart uh, those awful teams beginning the year, but he sort of come back uh, down to earth a little bit. Uh, Debo Samuel is a guy that I've actually been trying to acquire in a lot of leagues where he hasn't been available. Um, obviously, his price tag was way too high over the last few weeks, so it's been a little bit more difficult. But if you're looking at playoff scheduling, um, San Francisco has by far probably the easiest playoff schedule uh, in fantasy this year. So giving him Debo is a little bit of a tough swallow, but I mean, loaded at wide receiver, plus he has Ayuk already. So yeah. I'm probably okay pulling the trigger on this trade, uh, hoping Kyler's back in a week or so. You can kind of float Tannehill. And then you're getting the upgrade with Zeke uh, to go with Daryl Williams until Hunt is ready to go. Okay, yeah. And that's that's fair, but it, it kind of goes back to your, like, just yeah. changing teams of, of players. But right. uh, so – receivers are loaded, though. You have Devo, DJ Moore, yeah. Chase, Lamb, Keenan Allen. I mean – you know, he went zero RB, I'm assuming, and is selling <laughs> off his wide receivers now for running back. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, assuming this trade goes through after the trade, he's talking about grabbing LaVisca Chenault and Ramadre Stevenson uh, yeah. as uh, I am assuming free agents uh, pickups. Yeah, you know, my problem with Chenault is actually uh, since the injury to DJ Chark. Uh, they've actually switched what his role is in this offense. He went from being the slot receiver to being the outside receiver. They've moved Jamal Agnew into that slot. Uh, and you can pretty much identify like when that move has happened because his targets have kind of dramatically dropped off. Now, we had that game against Miami. We had the 10 targets. That was great. But you know, Tennessee, three last week against Buffalo, just four and just four against Seattle, where Agnew has been getting targeted seven or eight times. And they've brought in Dan Arnold as well um, to sort of fill that like slot-type receiver role. Uh, with LaVisca and Marvin Jones being on the outside. So, you know, Nis uh, LaVisca from like a name value standpoint, I understand the appeal, but, you know, he really, ha I don't think he's going to be very fantasy relevant, um, yeah. you know, in this offense moving forward, truthfully. So you're basically these additions aren't really going to do anything for, yeah, for his team. Stevenson is interesting because he looked so good last week. And I, you know, I think there are going to be times where him and Damian Harris certainly sort of, flip roles that you know depending on how the game flow is going you know they definitely don't want to give harris you know 25 carries in new england they'll they'll have stevenson probably get his eight to ten touches when he's active though there have been plenty of times this season where they flip flop between him and jj taylor i think maybe depending even the matchup there so you can pick up stevenson as a stash but it's not like he's going to be anybody that you're ever going to play with confidence unless damian harris is out of the lineup that day so you know there's potential for that this week uh, both Damian Harris and Stevenson are concussion protocol. Both are questionable this week. 
if you pick him up and, and Harris gets ruled out, well, then you have a starting running back to put in your lineup for the week. Other than that, though, he's just kind of bench depth. Well, and this guy's 8 0 and 1. So, yeah, Brian, well, come so on. Don't even make a trade, Brian. Right, come on. And, that, and that's why he's in the position to make the deal that he's in. He's 8 0 yeah. 1. He's winning his league. He's now acquiring Kyler Murray and Ezekiel Elliott for the playoffs, right? So, right, like, yeah. That's a huge upgrade for what he's got going on. He can afford to lose a week or two, probably, and still be in good standing. So, yep. Yep. And Kyler himself has the uh, the the late buy there to to contend with, um, at least you know kind of leading into some of his uh, game time decision status this week. Is that following up next week uh, he is on buy, so might be laying down a couple of games there to to pull pull the trigger. But ultimately, yeah, I'm, and, I'm and right knows, maybe Tennessee down. starts throwing the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, with, with if Julio can stay healthy, God forbid, and AJ Brown with no uh, Derrick Henry there, there's maybe some potential for Tannehill to put back some good weeks. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So moving on to uh, our next question, James is chiming in, and it sounds like he's trying to figure out what to do at the tight end position. He's rostering Dallas Goddard, um, and he is looking at either Dan Arnold or Logan Thomas from the waiver wire. Um, obviously Dan Arnold's been coming on of late. Logan Thomas is scheduled to come back from IR. Are either of those players ones that you're interested in dropping someone like Dallas Goddard for? Um, not really. I mean, I, to me, they're kind of all similar in, in the way that, yeah. you know, the quarterback play that they're on, the offenses that they're part of, you know, I don't, I don't think week to week, any of those guys are, are going to be clear favorites now i like dallas goddard a lot uh if i you know if those guys are available i wonder how deep the league is maybe you look to see who in your league needs a tight end before yeah. you pop dallas goddard right and and see if there's a way to make a small trade you know package goddard with a wide receiver or running back that's on your team and see if you can upgrade a position somewhere um to help you out and then pick up a dan Arnold or logan thomas uh, but from week to week, like any three of those guys could score more points than the other one. So, um, you know, if I had to, I guess, rank them, I'd probably go Goddard, Thomas, Arnold. But, um, you know, they're all very close in my book. So I, I've got a I've got a similar uh, order in, in my mind. And to add one more name to the mix, I'm seeing a lot of questions about uh, not only Dan Arnold and Logan Thomas, but also Dawson Knox returning from IR. So if you were to rank maybe that group of four rest of season. Uh, how do you see that shaking out? Yeah, so Knox is pretty wild because that t- the touchdowns that he was getting, you know, it, it it's difficult for me to say, like, he can continue to score at the rate that he was scoring at, but tight ends generally do, if they're targeted in the red zone, like, that's a high probability of scoring. So a guy like Knox, when they do get in that red zone, like, Allen's likely looking for him. Therefore, it, it's more probable that he's capable of continuing sort of the touchdown upside than maybe a wide receiver uh, necessarily would. Like we've seen that with Hunter Henry now. I think it's like five of the last six weeks he's scored a touchdown because when they get in the red zone, he's throwing to the tight end. And it feels like Allen, uh, you know, targeting Knox in a lot of those situations. I, you know, I, the snap share for Knox was great too. I might put Knox a, just behind Goddard, but those two guys I think can flip and then I'd have Thomas and Arnold fall behind them. You know, this is the first time we've seen Knox really used in this manner, in this offense, since he's been in Buffalo. Um, but we know that Buffalo doesn't really run the football at all. They go a lot of four wide. And, and just the fact that 
um, he's out there. You know, you look at a snap share, he's been out there for 80 to 90% of the offensive snaps. Um, you know, gives a lot of good value there to what Dawson Knox was bringing to the table early on. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're in a position where you're just looking for that upside play, maybe I go Knox and hope he keeps scoring. Uh, Goddard's probably the safer of the two. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think the point persists that there's a pretty clear kind of tier break between Goddard yeah. and Knox and and Thomas and, and Arnold. So yeah, I think looking so. at it from a from a similar lens. Well, John, you mentioned Hunter Henry uh, talking about tight ends. Uh, our friend Aaron is in dire straits. Uh, who would you emergency start in a flex role between McNichols, Khalif Raymond? Or Hunter Henry. Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I don't really want anything to do with Khalif Raymond in the line. I know the targets have been there lately, but it, it's on the road against Pittsburgh. It's not really like a a spot I want to have a guy on my lineup. But the problem with McNichols was that you know he saw like forty five percent of the offensive snaps last week, but the game script wasn't what anybody expected. You know, they, they thought the, the, the Rams were going to just blow out Tennessee and McNichols would be forced into this passing down role where they'll dump it off to him. And Peterson and Foreman, like, wouldn't even be on the field. And then they were ahead the whole game. So we never really got the volume we thought we were going to get out of McNichols. This is a matchup against the Saints where you know, I, I kind of have the same feelings. Like, do I, are the Saints going to be able to, you know, put a spot where McNichols is going to be used as often or they're just going to run the football, even though you can't really run against New Orleans? Um you know, biases aside, maybe I'm going to go with Hunter Henry here um, and, and just hope that he keeps scoring touchdowns for, for New England because when they do get in that red zone, they do look down. They, they yeah. certainly do, and and the it seems like the Titans are perfectly content keeping McNichols in that passing down yeah. role. So um, I, was, I was a bit more hopeful that um, he would see some early down work uh, considering that the alternatives there were both – signed off the scrap heap a few days right. prior. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, the, the Titans have found themselves in a very cushy position to where, um, you know, they don't have to, and, and obviously ought not want to uh, press any of their skill position players as they're waiting for the return of Derrick Henry. And as they seemingly coast to an AFC South title this yeah. year. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. And, and you know, to that McNichols point, it's something that I kind of talked a lot about when, Miles Sanders went down with Philadelphia and a lot of people were looking at Gainwell. I know in that initial game, Gainwell got some carries, but we saw Boston Scott, uh, you know, run for a touchdown and get, and get the carries there as well. And and one of the things I like to talk a lot about is like teams don't want to force change if they don't necessarily have to. So like Gainwell was their third down pass catching role. If they have somebody that can fill in and be the early down back. And in this case is Scott and now Jordan Howard has come back from the dead and become fantasy relevant. Like they're not going to just force Gainwell into a spot where they don't want to use him. And that's what happened with McNichols. That's what I was kind of preaching to people as well. I'm like, they signed Foreman and Adrian Peterson right away. It, yeah. McNichols, they like in the role that he has. Now, McNichols is probably going to have more value because Derrick Henry is on the field for 80% of the snaps. That won't be the case anymore. Um, you know, you just need the, the positive game script now for McNichols to be valuable because Foreman and AP now seem like they're going to split – 20 carries between the two of them. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you mentioned Gainwell and that was certainly one of the more perplexing outcomes of, of recent memory, right? When, uh, when we saw Miles Sanders go down and 
all of a sudden Jordan Howard off of the practice squad and and Boston yeah. Scott were were leading that backfield. The the crazy thing for me, I, I captured this as the the games were going on on Sunday, uh, heading into the fourth quarter of their game last week. It had been seven quarters of play since Miles Sanders went on the IR, and the Eagles had given their running backs 62 carries in those seven quarters. <laughs> yeah. In the seven games preceding, Miles Sanders had 63 carries. So they just very much so, the moment he was out of the way, they're like, you know what? Which, We're going to listen to all of the fans and all yeah. of the outcry. It's time to start running. So, I, I've championed uh, Miles Sanders now for a few seasons, and even in this year as well, because uh, where he was going in drafts, I'm like, listen, like this is a guy that's averaging almost five yards a carry for his career. He's not a bad player. He's had some injury issues. The usage for him was just perplexing under Peterson. Like maybe, maybe with Sirianni now they'll figure it out. They'll change it. Nope. They, I mean, they have the mobile quarterback. They run a lot of RPOs. Hertz likes to keep it for himself, and, and it just never materialized. But like anytime they would give Sanders the football, he would be productive. And we're like, yes, do more of this. And then, like you mentioned, he goes down the next week. They blow out Detroit forty-four to whatever. And they give the ball, you know, 30 times to the two backs. And then last week, it's more double-digit carries for those guys. And you're like, you know, Miles Sanders is better than all these guys. Why are, why are we not doing this? Even when Sanders gets back, they can figure it out and they'll go. They'll give him the workload. But, uh, you know, frustrating for sure. Um, I got an NYIR yeah. in a handful of spots. So I'm hoping for that uh, late-season push there. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's hope. But uh, Sirianni is of that Peterson tree, so – uh, uh, they've they've got a proud lineage of torturing talented <laughs> running backs. So we, we'll also they all love Jordan Howard. Breath. So yeah, there. every one of them loves Jordan Howard. Find someone in your life that loves you the way that <laughs> Eagles coaches love Jordan Howard. <laughs> and speaking of those Eagles coaches, we do have one more question to round us out here. Uh, a third John needs yeah. a flex play. Uh, he's starting AJ Brown and Debo Samuel this week. And he's making a decision between uh, Devonta Smith, Christian Kirk, and Jacoby Myers. Uh, any of those names pop off the page for you, John? Uh, I mean, Devonta's coming off a really big game, so I would probably consider going in that direction. I know it's in Denver, which isn't always the best spot to play, but you know, Christian Kirk they kicked outside uh, after uh, Hopkins uh, was out of the lineup, and they had uh, more play more of the slot, and I kind of like Kirk in that slot role. Plus. Um, Cole McCoy is is not throwing downfield if he ends up being the quarterback. I mean, uh, I, I was kind of taking some grief on Twitter from people who are telling me. I, I touted the 49ers defense last week, big mistake, uh, thinking that McCoy wasn't going to do anything. And, uh, you know, they're going at me saying that McCoy's shredding them. I'm just sharing highlights. I'm like, no, he's throwing screen passes, and the running backs are going 40 yards downfield. There's nothing to do <laughs> with McCoy. Uh, it's just the 49ers defense isn't stopping anybody. You know, Christian Kirk actually had the longest pass play last week. He threw the pass, he threw the ball uh, like 33 yards or something like that downfield. So um, I'm out on Kirk because I just don't think McCoy's going to go uh, in that direction consistently enough. Um, Jacoby Myers again, I would love to trust him, um, but the, the you know maybe if Harris and Stevenson are out this week, I would be willing to trust Jacoby Myers a little bit more because I think the Patriots then by default would have to throw the football a little bit more than run with Brandon Bolden and JJ Taylor. But my initial reaction here is going to be Devonta Smith. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And you're, uh, you're picking at a scab a little bit. I thought that I was going to be sitting pretty and highly leveraged in DFS with the Niners defense as everyone was playing the the chiefs against Jordan love. 
Um, and fortunately found myself pounding sand very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I was, listen, they were like 4%, 4% owned. Yeah. And I was like, ah, this is Colt McCoy, no DeAndre Hopkins. Like, what could Let's be better? Go. And then just Giddy like up. dink and dunk the entire way down the field. I think he only <laughs> averaged like five yards a pass or something like that. And it was all screens, like literally – uh, you know, I was, you know, I hate being in a position where I have to defend myself. So I'm usually, I just like shrug it off. But when I'm like, it's not what you think it is. You're just looking at the box score. I promise you this yeah. defense is just not playing well. It's not that, that McCoy is just out there looking like Tom Brady. You know, he's throwing screen passes that guys are just taking to the house. Yeah. James, James Connor ended up with the third longest receiving touchdown on the week, which yeah. tells you all that you need to know, right? You know, he literally has... It. Chuck sticked one of their safeties for like a 30 yard touchdown run. I mean, what are we doing? Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is, this is a running back that has cinder blocks inside of his gloves. So for him, <laughs> him to be the prolific receiver of the week uh, tells you all, all you need to know about what that Cardinals passing game looked like last week. Right. Well, John, that pretty much wraps up all the questions we have for you. So this is now the time that we like to give back to our guests and uh, let you give shout outs to anyone or anything that you want to just shout out to. And uh, also take the opportunity to, to tell listeners where they can find you on the internet. Yeah. I mean, listen, obviously here, you know, fantasy alarms is where my home is. Uh, you know, you can listen to me, find all my content there. Uh, not just football. Uh, I am a huge hoop head. Uh, I do a lot of NBA DFS uh, content over there as well. Um, and you can find me on Alarm After Hours on SiriusXM on Fridays and Mondays from 12 to 2 a.m. Uh, we're taking you into the weekend and then recapping everything that went down uh, during the week of NFL football. Uh, so a lot of exciting stuff that we got going on there. You can list myself and Justin Fenstermann on XM. And then, yeah, over at Fantasy Salon, we got everything going on there. Uh, podcasts that I do, me and Andrew Cooper. Uh, got to give him a follow as well, Coop Fiasco. for those of you who aren't familiar with Coop. Uh, him and I do a fantasy football podcast that you guys can listen to for free. And uh, we got a lot of great stuff over there for, uh, you know, football and basketball right now. For awesome. anyone who's, yeah. who's not following that content with, uh, with John and Coop, um, you might not know, but Coop fancies himself a bit of a tight end whisperer. So yeah. he was feeling, he was feeling personally attacked when the roster itself for the charity league didn't, didn't dictate that you had to draft a tight end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his dad are doing well though, so you know they're 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 holding their own there. Yeah, yeah, they're they're turning right along. It's a it's a fun team to to track for for the the season, and uh, and with that, we will wrap up the week number ten edition of the Pros with Joe's podcast. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping for anyone who is interested and so inclined. We are still continuing to raise money throughout the year. Easiest way to get involved and see all of the pros that are playing and the charities they're playing for by heading over to our website is proswithjoes.com or you can follow us on Twitter at proswithjoes. Uh, as you head over there, um, like I mentioned, if you are so inclined, give a little, give a lot, whatever you can spare. Uh, it really does go a long way with all of these charities. Uh, to find the podcast itself, we are proudly part of the drrodo.com network. So you can go to everywhere you get your podcast and search for Pros with Joes or search for Dr. Roto. As you're there, hit the subscribe button, throw a couple of stars our way, leave a review. really does go a long way in helping more people find out about the work that we're doing and making an impact through the game that we all love to play. 
With that, we will see you all next week. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out DrRoto.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.